Sanji, hi everyone, and welcome to another joyous edition of the Topical City Podcast. I say joyous because it's me, Richard, the embodiment of joy and fun. And I'm joined by the other two Etty lads. Firstly, Cameron, who overcame the odds this week to make zero mistakes with the graphics on Twitter. How are you, mate? Uh, I'm fine now. I'm in technical issues bound today. You'll get there, pal. Don't you worry. And secondly, I'm joined by the man who was not afraid to get his predicted team over to Cameron literally seconds before they hit <laughs> you up on Twitter. It's James. James, what could you possibly be so busy with that it took you that long to, to get those over to Cam? Just wheeling and dealing, mate. Just uh, always got you know, a few jobs on the go. Fun in the oven, so to speak. A bun in the oven. Well, congratulations, pal. Are Thank you going to name it after uh, any City players, any potentially outgoing Manchester City players? I, I, I did try, um, Sergio. <laughs> that was shot down. I've suggested Pep. We met some sort of compromise on Joseph. So that's not a complete no if it's a boy. <laughs> and then uh, her, her dad came around the other day and he was saying he'd seen some magpies. He said, you know, the one for sorrow, two for joy, three for go, four for a boy. Mm. And he's like five for like silver or something. And I went, right, well, there we go. It's David, isn't it? And they went, no. And I was like, Bernie? Maybe Bernie? I'm going to get a city name in there somewhere. I don't know how I feel about the name Pep Thursday. <laughs> if only like my last girl. name was Thursday. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, congratulations, uh, Lizzie and James. And also congratulations, mate, on not dropping any points from your predicted team this week. That was the big one, <laughs> yeah. let's face it. <laughs> That's your first seamless transition of today. <laughs> so let's take a look at the Etihad table. With six podcasts played, we have your King of Derby Day, me, sitting pretty at the top of the table with a whole two positive points. And then we've got James, who overtook Cameron simply by not doing as badly as him. <laughs> James is on minus one. And then lastly, bringing up the rear, we've got Cameron on minus two. Can I just say, uh, are you looking at the most up-to-date table? <laughs> have I made another mistake? <laughs> oh. I think I have. <laughs> uh, one second. Uh -oh. I've literally got the Etihad's table in front of me. You're not looking at the most recent one from yesterday, Bob. Oh, dear. Is this me dropping Ooh. points? That is a, a ball dropped, if ever, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take the host dropping points off that one. Let me uh, do a couple of clicks of my mouse and I'll get the up-to-date A-Lads <laughs> table. <laughs> so, yeah, we got the up-to-date A-Lads table in front of me. I was correct with myself on two points. James is on minus two. Somehow that happened. I'm not quite sure. And... Cameron is on minus four, yeah. I'll take I'll that, that to minus fits. two if you want. Well, I was going to say, we've got, uh, we was going to have a quick discussion on whether or not to award Cameron a, a point for getting the graphics correct. I'm willing to do that, James, but now that I think I'm dropping a <laughs> point for, <laughs> for not being up to date with the A-Lad Sable, being a poor host, maybe I'm, uh, I'm going to change my mind about that. What do you think? Well... This kind of evens things out a little bit more, doesn't it? So I'm right in thinking you're losing a point for not having the latest figures. Cam has, how many times has he got it right now in a row? One. I don't, do we reward someone for doing their job right for once? Uh, let me have a win. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't deserve a point for getting it right for once. But I do want to bring a bone of contention of um, I was... <laughs> I was left in the same situation as Catherine Zeta-Jones last week, and I was entrapped into losing a point. Looks uh, like relevant well, references. Uh, so, well, you tell me a relevant movie called Entrapment, and I'll reference that <laughs> next time. How were uh, you entrapped, Cameron? Why don't you explain that for our because listeners? I wouldn't have mentioned Big Sam's 100% record unless you so it was mentioned to me. So, uh, Surely there's an argument for free will here, though. Still, if, if somebody raises a point, <laughs> I'm going to respond to the point. <laughs> My reading of that was the way it was judged by James was that I mentioned it, so I quite rightly did that gal cliche, but then you re then you also mentioned it and used that as a point towards Big mm. Sam 
being the next England manager. So again, I'll leave that one up to James because he was the host for that one. So, well, what? So he's trying to argue a point back, but we were also going to give him one for the graphic. No, I'll, I'll take the point for being a trap and not the point for the graphic. That's what's going. <laughs> Tell you what, let's, so see my, how, let's see how the debate goes. And, <laughs> and then if I'm oh, losing. There we go. There we go. <laughs> no, go on. Give him a pity point. It's fine. All right. So whether it is for the graphics or whether it's I'll for the big set. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping to try and get a rise out of you for pity point then and just nothing happened. We've mentioned far too many numbers here that people have probably lost complete track over where we're at. So... Why don't you it's go over to our Twitter page? Yeah, it's at Topical City Pod, and you can take a look at that there. So, firstly, this week we're going to go through the recent Leicester win. What were your guys' thoughts on the lineup for this one, James? What did you think, mate? There's one big shock in there, weren't there? Old Benjamin. With, uh... There was three big shocks for me, but yeah, that was the biggest one for you, Benjamin. Oh Mendes yeah, I, I, I didn't expect him. Well, and. If the league was tied up, I expected him to play some games. But with it not being tied up, I'm surprised he started. Obviously, it was well worth him starting, and we'll get to that later, I'm sure. But, yeah, that was the shock for me. And was I'm right in thinking Zinchenko wasn't even in the squad. Yeah, I don't even think he was on the bench. Yeah, I don't know if he had to do a lot of travelling with international duty. That was a bit of a surprise for me. And it was, again, nice to see Jesus and Aguero both starting. Yeah, that was the one of the other surprises. That's like one of the only things I got right about producing <laughs> the lineup for that one. I'm assuming your third surprise was Rodri and Fernandinho together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that was going to be a double pivot, and I was definitely thinking overthink FC, but it didn't really turn out that way. I don't even think they played a double pivot, did they? It seemed a lot more like Fernandinho was playing a bit further ahead of. Rodri, what did you think about that, Cam? To be honest, it's one of them games that has just drifted to the back memory. It's one of them games where for 70 minutes we just, like we have for the last four or five games for 70 minutes, we we pressure and pressure and pressure and nothing happens and then suddenly we score two goals. Um, so, so really it's only the goals that have lived long in the memory, but clearly it worked and you'll never see me have a go at Fernandinho being in the team. So if that's a way to fit him in, I'm happy with that. I think you saw both of them, like, dropping back and the other one. Like, Rodgers, I thought, was playing a lot further forward than he would normally do. You know, he had a bit more licence to ping his long balls from, like, side to side. And they, they seemed to just know where each other was so they could take turns at doing it. Yeah, I kind of think we've been shot in that number eight role haven't we as well we're playing both of them you've got KDB Bernardo and Gundogan sort of sharing those two roles between them and now if I think if you can get Ferner and Rodri on the pitch at the same time that'll massively help solve that problem a little bit down the line so what did you guys think about like the way that Leicester set up for because for me it was very similar to how they set up at the Etihad at the beginning of the season and given how different this Manchester City team is now to the team that they faced then, do you think that was a bit of a mistake on Rodgers' part? Well, they definitely wanted to counter-attack, didn't they? They didn't want anything. They didn't want to control the game at all. Um, but our defence is just leagues ahead, especially when you consider the two centre-backs who played in that game. Pre- was it Garcia and Ake? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, especially considering that, and I assume Ben Mendy didn't play either. I can't tell you what nope. that was. Yeah, no, Mendy but, played. I think it's Mendy. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, there you go. So, so we had, you know, we've we've just got a much better defence, especially in the central area. So I, I, I guess that counter attack style just wasn't going to work twice. Um, and also, they played Mac, Matt Al- Mark Albrighton, and who does that when they want to win a game? So <laughs> he just, I think, I think Rogers is usually pretty good, but he, he really got that wrong. It was Solskjaer tactics, weren't it? It was just hit him on the break, long ball, fast striker, hope for the best. They didn't really have many opportunities to die for a penalty either, like they had done in the previous game. So that maybe was the one doing. It did almost pay off for him, though, with Vardy getting that offside goal just before halftime, which really would have been like kind of typical City from the beginning of the season. Controlled the game for nearly all of the first half. There was even that one statistic where five minutes worth of possession was 100% to Manchester City. And then for them to get a goal literally right before half time would have been 
a disaster, but they didn't. He was offside quite clearly as well. And it took 58 minutes for City to get their legitimate goal from an unlikely source in Ben Mendy, as you said before, James. That's his second City goal of the season, mopping up after Mares and Jesus didn't do enough to try and get the ball on the back of the net. What did you make of him, that goal, and his overall performance? The thing is, it's a strange one Mendy now because the expectations are so low. No one expects him to get back to you know, the Monaco days and when he first came to City. So I think him just having a steady game is a success now, which is a bit sad to say. But as long as he's not a liability to the team, the rest of the team and the overall as a unit team is so good that not necessarily that we're carrying him, but we can afford to have him in the team. And I did really like, like it was a great goal and I loved the passion like when he celebrated it, you could see it meant a lot to him. You can see that, you know, by all accounts, he's been getting his head down and working hard in training and he's been supportive of the team. And he's not been a you know, prima donna throwing his toys out the pram because he's not starting. And there's a midfielder starting at left back ahead of him and a right back starting at left back ahead of him. I think you could see on his face what the goal meant to him. And it was just nice to see. Yeah, it, it's hard to be, be upset with Mendy on a consistent basis. Like, I think he's still very much third choice left back. I don't think he's going to pull himself out of that unless he has some really standout performances. But like you say, yesterday wasn't a standout performance. It was ticking along and then scoring a goal. Um, I think he does a lot better when he's got somebody solid next to him. So if he's, it'll be Laporte or even better, it'll be Diaz. So maybe if he's fit again and if he's, he has put that down, now's the time to give him some run outs. I just wouldn't do it in the important games. So then City put the game beyond doubt with Jesus slotting home. Sam Lee said on Twitter that this was City's perfect goal. The sublime pass from De Bruyne, followed by Jesus and Sterling, then fighting over each other for <laughs> who was the one to score. Well, like um, fighting over who, who was going to take Kevin's assist away from it. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I, I was ready to scream at Sterling. I saw it, it seemed like one of those again where he just pushed it one step too far, and as he constantly does, uh, and screwed the chance away. But luckily, uh, Jesus decided he wasn't going to fluff his lines uh, and actually scored it. So he got off light, I think. It was a strange one that I, actually, no, it wasn't a strange one. It was a completely typical one of them both being true to their character. Jesus being the unselfish striker that will set someone up by passing it in the first place. Sterling being Sterling and fucking it up in front of goal. And then Jesus switching on his striker head that he does on occasion. And it just, like you say, it was so frustrating to watch. It was just like someone put it in the back of the fucking net. And end of the day, that's Jesus' job more than it's Sterling. So at least he did it. When Jesus passed the ball to Sterling and he didn't hit it first time with his left foot, mm -hmm. I immediately jumped off the couch and was screaming obscenities at the top of my voice on repeat then for what felt like about 20 seconds but in reality it was about two while yeah. Sterling just resteaded himself and then passed it back to Jesus who taps it home and I think I overreacted because when you watch it back it wasn't the best pass in the world from Jesus so I think that Sterling doesn't really deserve to take a lot of the criticism for that like I think Jesus could have held on to the ball for another second, allowed Schmeichel to close him down and then passed it to Sterling where he would have had a bit of a wider angle to pop that way. But the ball goes in the back of the net anyway. And looking at the Premier League table after that game, you've got Manchester City sitting pretty on the top of the league, just like I am at the top of the Etihad's table. 14 points over Man United, who've got a game in hand. It's the top four race that's kind of heating up a little bit there with currently as we record this on Monday. Sorry, James, you're going to say something there. I was just going to say, just before you jump onto the top four, I had a question about Leicester. I wanted to get your thoughts on. So, Ian Acho, one player of the month. Yeah, from the Premier League. Yeah. Scored a hat-trick and then was it another two goals? I know, obviously, I know he played for City. I know that he briefly played in the youth team. I have no recollection of what Ian Acho's good at. And I don't mean this as a dig because he seems the nicest lad in the world and I really like him. But I don't, I, I seem to have blocked out the period of time where he was 
starting for us up front. I don't remember him being a predator or really fast or really strong or really creative. And I'm struggling to put my finger on what his best attributes are. Is that just me? He was he was jack of all trades when he was with us, wasn't he? He wasn't particularly good at anything. Um, but he, he was scoring when he was there, so I guess finishing. <laughs> he, he did get some goals. So, But yeah, he was never... You could never point to him and say, oh, his finishing's lethal or he could turn on a dive or it, it was mm-hmm. always just, we like him and he's good. He was okay at several things, but he was ne- wasn't really like a, a master of anything in particular. I just remember we struggled in a game against Crystal Palace, I think at the start of one of the seasons where when he was at City and, and him bagging and then thinking like, oh, is he going to go on and be mm-hmm. like our next young prolific striker to come through? The next and it just never day. really happened for him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it didn't happen for the lad, but it took him a couple of years now, but I think he's found his place at Leicester and he's found his sort of, Rogers has got a good formation that kind of suits him there as well, even though it didn't suit him in the game against City. So speaking of Leicester, though, do you think they're going to, are they secure in their top four spot or do they need to watch the back? How does it how does it look at the minute? So, so you've Leicester got, are third. Mm-hmm, on 56 points and then you've got Chelsea by five points behind them having played as many games on 51. And then you've got Spurs, Liverpool and West Ham all on 49. And West Ham are... Game in hand, right? So they can go yeah. 52. As well as um, Everson have got two games in hand, haven't they? Couldn't Everson go third? In theory, but I, I think that's even less likely than West Ham, to be honest. I'd probably be looking to cut that off now and into Ham. the top seven, yeah, at West Ham and seeing mm-hmm. where I they mean, can... Even though you are right, look, Everton do have another game in hand, but so do Villa just before them as well, so you mm-hmm. could probably extend it all the way down to mm-hmm. nine. Looking at Leicester's fixtures for like the next five, at least, they've got West Ham, who are obviously going to be difficult. They've got four fairly winnable games, West Brom, Crystal Palace, Southampton and Newcastle. So they're, they're, they're five points clear of Chelsea. You've got to assume at least they're sticking about. You can't see them dropping as many points with a run of games that easy. I don't know what the game's like after that. Maybe, maybe after that it's Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea <laughs> or something, but... They're the running games. They should be able to get 12 points out of the next 15. Easy. They should make top four, shouldn't they? They should do. Yeah. I'm just thinking of their, um, the way that Leicester struggled at the, the end of last season and, and just went off the boil a little bit. Maybe it's a, a mentality thing with them. But out of the ones who we've just mentioned, I kind of hope that they do it more than anybody. It'd be interesting to break up that top six thing that we've spoken yeah. about previously. I'm saying that, so just West Ham would be the same, wouldn't it? Yeah, but <laughs> that, that's that's more like this season. I see Leicester doing it maybe yeah, consistently going yeah, yeah, forward, yeah. whereas yeah, somehow David Moyes breaking up that cartel, <laughs> I don't really... Uh... <laughs> I mean, having said that, David Moyes kept Everton quite consistent back when there was a top four, you know, before it was the top six. So maybe he could do it again with, with the others. Who knows? Maybe. As long as they can keep all the Suchek and Rice and all that sort of stuff in, uh, this summer. Uh, you never know. Very quickly before we end this segment, I just wanted to get your guys' take on our current left-back sort of situation. You mentioned before Kamal Mendy's third choice. Do you reckon that we need to be strengthening in left-back at the in the next transfer window? I think if there's scope to, we probably should. But if, if we've got the money that we've got and it can only be set, spent on a striker... That, that's what we need more, especially with Aguero going. If we can buy a striker and then there's some money left over for a top-class left-back, then, yeah, get a left-back. But at the moment, we've got three competent left-backs. People say, keep saying to Jekos in midfield that he's played left-back for three years now. <laughs> like, at what point do you have to do, do just say it's a change of position? So. Who's the third competent left-back? Cancelo? Cancelo, yeah, Cancelo, yeah. Because um, Walker is good enough to continue playing, so... Why not every now and then put Cancelo at left back when you're not playing Zinchenko? It's not, it's not difficult, is it? If there's if there's money and room to get a left back, go ahead, get one. Don't get another up and coming shit one though. Like if you're going to strengthen it, strengthen it, get a left back. But if if we've only got the money for a striker, then go for that first. Yeah, striker's priority. 
I think it all depends on if Mendy leaves because I think Zinchenko's first spot now in terms of actual left-backs and Zinchenko's number one, even though you might put Cancelo in there for the big games. I think Zinchenko will play the majority of the games at left-back. So then you're looking at, really, if you've got Cancelo and Walker on the right, we need two on the left, which would be Zin and Mendy. If Mendy's fit, he seems happy to play second fiddle. If he's just filling in a space like he did at the weekend, then fine. If he goes, I think there's an opportunity for us to get a good quality left back. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a world beater. It can be someone consistent who can, maybe they're a little bit more defensive and if we bring them in for the tighter games. And then Zinchenko has the the freedom to go about his business when we're the dominant force. It doesn't seem that much of a concern because there's depth there now. You know, between Zinchenko, Cancelo, Mendy, you know, at a push, Laporte and Ake, like we have bodies that can play there. Now it's not like we're putting Fabian Delft back there like the first time he went there, or James Milner covering left back back in the day. As Dave said, you'd rather get like a, a, a you could get a decent like not rather, but you could get a decent left back in um, if Mendy goes. In that instance, could you not just use Ake or Laporte to to fill the void when Zinchenko or Cancelo aren't playing there? Like I think that that's just even more of a reason why maybe you wouldn't need to get a left-back unless you went for a top one. Well, isn't it that we're supposed to have two players for every position? So, yeah, but that's what I mean. Like you've, you've got, you do have Ake and we've got two centre-backs. We've got so many centre-backs. Yeah, we have so now, could... but you're two injuries away from being absolutely screwed in your defence. You need we've the bodies. Back for years. Yeah, but you need, you need <laughs> the bodies for the rotation. Maybe not him now, but... I know he's gone to Chelsea, but maybe a couple of years ago, someone like Chilwell, who wasn't going to light the world up, but he's English, he fits the quota, he's happy to rotate, he might have been a decent shout. I'm not saying we have to go and buy, you know, David Alaba or something like that. I think Zinchenko has earned the right to, you know, ha- have a shot at it and and stake his claim. He's been so professional and he's not put a foot wrong, really. And he's still only 24. Speaking of David Alaba, he's free. Yeah, he's he's going to Spain, mate. See, I do think we need to strengthen at left-back and buy somebody. Like When Kolarov and Clichy left in 2017, we bought Mendy for that position. And then we had Danilo as like the go-between. Like, oh, he could play right-back or left-back. Now you say that like Cancelo's uh, one of the choices for left back. But again, if you are looking for two players for every position, he's the right back. And then if you're looking to mix and match Ake or Laporte there as well, I just think James is right there. You're one injury away from, I mean, we're not going to have the amazingly talented Eric Garcia to fall back on next season. So we, we're losing a central defender there. Yeah, we've got cover there with, with four really decent Premier League quality centre backs. But if Laporte has a long injury or, God forbid, Diaz and, and Stones' fitness has been all over the show in previous seasons, if, if one of those things were to happen, it's suddenly squeaky bum time again and, and you're looking to convert Phil Foden in a left-back all of a sudden. Oh. What about... So So do you think a left-back's more important than going out and getting a top top shelf striker? Because we, no. we probably can only do one. No, Is absolutely the, not. I'm not. I'm not sure that we could probably only do one as well. I reckon that you can do more than one on that one. I reckon it does depend on if Fernandinho also goes. If Fernandinho goes and Aguero goes, you then suddenly look into strengthening those two positions, and you could you could rely on the left back options that we have for now. But I reckon that you you could feasibly sign a striker and a left back in the next transfer window. Well, if Fernandinho goes, we'll have to go back for James Milner. Play left back, play the you know. <laughs> Jesus. All right, guys. Well, that's the end of that chapter. When we come back, we're going to do our weekly debate. You're listening to the Topical City Podcast. Disagree with anything you've heard? Don't forget to let the Etty lads know at Topical City Pod on Twitter. And we're back. It's time for the weekly debate. 
This week you've got the Cold Conspirators, Cameron and James, in their favourite segment of the Topical City podcast. We've got two questions coming up as per usual. Points can be won or lost based on the strength of the arguments made and points taken away if a guile cliche is hit. If you win both debate questions, you also earn an extra point. So James is on top form heading into this debate, whereas Cam lost both debate questions last time out in his head-to-head with yours truly. How are you both feeling ahead of this one? Form speaks for everything, mate. I think I threw away two points last <laughs> Don't think there was any skill on your side, but, but whatever. Yeah, for wrestling fans, it was definitely the finger poke of doom on that one. So the first question that we've got today is, which current first team Manchester City player has been the best value for money? And James, if it's okay with you, I'd like you to go first. On That's the absolutely fine, mate. I'm interested why you want me to go first, but okay. Which current City player has been the best value for money? It has to be Foden. In terms of what he's cost the club, his transfer fee is absolutely nothing. He's not cost us a penny. He's played over 100 games for City, had 47 goal contributions in that time. This question isn't about who's the better player or who's had the bigger moments. It's pound for pound, who's been the best value for money. And Foden cost us absolute pennies in terms of bringing him through the academy. There was no transfer fee involved. And it's a no-brainer. You know, I I did look at someone like Zinchenko because he had such a minimal transfer fee. And if I was going to argue that point, then why would I not go further and go with Foden, who didn't cost us anything? There's my opening gambit, Cam. What you got? Uh, I'm going with Serge, Sergio Aguero, if, in case you didn't realise who Serge was. you know, I'm going to start before I forget your uh, meaningless <clears throat> argument. I'm just going to attack <laughs> it. Um, I think it's disingenuous to say that he cost us pennies. It costs a lot of money to push players through that academy to keep them where they are, to train them. Um, I would I would be shocked if it wasn't in the millions. Um, so I think for a start there, you, you can't just say he's a free player. Um, Sergio Aguero cost us £36 million. Pounds. Uh, nowadays, I think uh, Aguero in his prime, you'd be looking at 100 minimum uh, if you were signing him in his prime nowadays. Uh, and I, I, pound for pound, he's, he's probably the best player we've ever signed. He's our all-time top scorer. He won us the league title, produced the greatest moment in Premier League history. And on top of that, like goals per, per pound must be must be incredible. Um, also, hang on, I'm just going to... Are you telling me you can't give me the exact numbers on goals per pound? I argue with emotion, <laughs> <laughs> not, not with stats. I do have another thing, but I'll let you rebut. He's trying to save some to have a big grandstand finish, are you? Yeah, okay. You know how it Um, works, James. Yeah, yeah, he's playing tactical now. You said there's a big cost button through the academy, potentially millions. You're just completely speculating there. You have no idea how much it's cost. So we can all just... We can all... No, but I'm not using it as a point. We can all just put numbers out of the sky. All right, Aguero had a 70 million, 70 you million. zero out of the sky. No, but in terms of a transfer fee that we paid, it is zero. We've, I'll give you that, we've paid our, no transfer fee. Exactly. But, we, that's, that's but what we've paid money towards developing it. And I did say that. I now. did say that. But in comparison, there's a reason that clubs try to bring players through the youth team to make some money from them. And it's not a case of, that individual costs that much if he's come through the team. Collectively, they have been coached and fed and trained and clothed. But as an individual, this is about which individual has the best value for money. And in terms of spend, Foden has cost us nothing in terms of the transfer spend. So you putting that on the books, it's still nothing. We're not even talking about wages. He's on a lot less than Aguero. This isn't a question of who's the better player? Because Aguero is currently the better player and historically has been the better player. But in terms of the best value for money, Phil Foden has cost us nothing. I broke it down to split the transfer fees out per game. Aguero costs us 91 grand per game, just his transfer fee. Foden has cost us nothing. I think you could argue 91 grand a game for Sergio Aguero is incredible value for money, uh, especially 
Well, if you if you look at it, all right. So you want to measure it by transfer fee. What if you measure it by trophies won, important goals scored? That's not value. Longevity. How is that not value? Because we're talking we, about money. He, he turned us. He turned us into a big club by winning us a title, which we would have lost if he if he didn't start score that goal. He was the first player that City signed that was known to be. He was going to be one of the best players in the world. He was just going to be there. He was going to do it. He was the first player we signed that wasn't already a huge player that people knew was going to be really good that chose City. He turned us into a big club. He added value to Manchester City Football Club. He won us a title and has been the foundation of like top scorer. Like He's been the foundation of our titles, everything since he started. And if that's not adding value to your club and adding, having value for money... You only paid $36 million to become one of the biggest clubs in the world. How is that not value? He's adding plenty of value. He's adding unbelievable value. He's just not the best value for money. T- tell me, it, it, not in terms of Foden's transfer fee, how is he value for money? What, what has he done for the club? Currently, and I'm not saying that he's not going to, he's not won us any trophies. He hasn't scored a shitload of important goals. He only adds value in that he was free. And he's a player that plays for the team and contributes to the team. But so is Aguero, like, like, so is any club, so is any player. They're not but, a player that has transformed this club into a top-tier, top-of-the-world club. But what you're talking Aguero about is. Is, is emotional and is it's feelings, whereas we're talking about money, value for money, regardless of if Aguero scored X amount of goals to you know, score the most in the league for whatever season. You're starting off at minus 35 mil. But I'm not That's... talking about emotional value for money. I'm talking about value for money and that he has added value to your club. He might have cost us 36 million. God knows how much he rated in Premier League prize money and in Champions League prize money over the decade of us becoming such a big club. He adds value to this club way more than the 36 million we paid for him. Foden's right, guys, I'm going uh, to go ahead and wrap this up in a second. Do you want to make one point rather than rebuttals each on what why your player has been the best value for money? I'm good. Yeah, I'll just say, Aguero scored that goal that won us the league. But in theory, anyone could have put that in the back of the net. It's a team performance across the season that got us to where we got. It could have been David James up front in the old Stuart Pearce days that banged that ball in the back of the net. There's a whole team there that helped contribute to the stuff you're saying about me, building a foundation and making us something special. Could I give David Silver's the foundation of that, as in someone coming in and not being an all-star, but he turned out to be. I like that, guys. Uh, ring the bell. I think that was a really good debate. A gal cliche <laughs> was not hit by any Ooh. of you there. So you both managed to avoid that. The It was basically anything along the lines of the wealth of Abu Dhabi or oil money, <laughs> financial doping, etc. I'm going to go and give the win to Cameron on this one. Yeah. Yes! Well done, Finally, a point. <laughs> and I think it was just because when James said that Cameron's decision was emotional rather than based on value. And I think that the success that he's brought the club is actual like monetary value as well as just trophies and the emotions and stuff like that and you you'd kind of back yourself into a corner a bit Jim by picking somebody as young as Foden because they haven't had a chance to contribute as much as Aguero or Sterling or somebody like that has had to the squad just yet so I had to pick a curveball because no one else stands no one stands up to Aguero if I pick Sterling Aguero scored more goals you know there was, I had to pick something completely out of the box to stand any chance, I think. Going I thought it was a good argument. I, I just, I yeah. think I, it was like your Troutman the other week. I don't think you could argue yeah. anything. I knew going into it, I couldn't. So it was just a curveball <laughs> to try and, I don't know, poke some emotion out of Richard. <laughs> well, that was your first mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did argue the point really well. So nobody's lost any points there. Just the one game by Cameron. That pulls me level with you, James. Is this going off of you thinking that you earned a point at the beginning of the podcast? We, we already well? said that you earned a point and we've oh. moved past it. <laughs> I don't recall that. All right, okay, so we're going to go right into the second question, and that is outside of 9320, 
what is the best Sergio Aguero moment? Cameron, you're going to go first in? Uh, I'm going to sound particularly redundant here, so I'm going to apologise in advance. It's the day signed. Uh, and yes, James, this is very much based on emotion. Um, <laughs> and hindsight and 2020 and all that sort of stuff. You think that's going to um, appeal to me, mate? Um, <laughs> if anybody can. <laughs> Again, like I said in the previous debate, he was the first going to be world-class player that signed for Man City. That that we didn't. It, it may maybe it was for money at the start, but but you you hoped it was. You hoped it was for the project. It was for everything. Uh, he was the first player we got that was like that. And to have a player like that sign for us, I remember Robin texting me about it and uh, and just saying, "I was just like, are you serious? He's come to City. Why why has he done that? Uh, and he did. And then he's given us ten wonderful years that all wouldn't have happened without that that signing so you just look back and he's given me the best moments of my life as a city fan um so the, the day he signed will always be my favorite day as a city fan james what do you think outside of 93 20 is the best aguero moment <clears throat> so you said it's the day he signed there's, there's very little merit to that point i argue that it's the day he became our top goal scorer because even though the day sign was a great day. It's all about hindsight, as you said. And at that point, it was nothing more than potential and very high potential. Let's not, you know, let's not beat around the bush. It was an amazing young talent coming to the club. But we've seen countless occasions across every league in Europe of amazing talents going to clubs and doing precisely fuck all. So the moment that he scored that goal against Napoli to take his tally to 178 goals. That besides 93-20, that was the moment he cemented himself in the history books at Man City to say what a special player he was and that no one would ever question his legacy there. He's literally the man at the top of the tree in that respect. It couldn't have happened without him joining the club. I get that. But he could have joined the club and been shit. Him, him scoring those goals and him getting to that point means he's top dog. And that's why that is the best moment outside of 93-20. Coulda, woulda, shoulda, pal. Coulda, woulda, shoulda with you all the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> the, the question is not, it does not dis discount hindsight, emotion, any of that, as, as, as you always say. The question is, uh, Richard, if you could just repeat it for me one more time. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get make sure, I want to make sure it's 100% right. Outside of 93.20, what is the best Aguero moment? Exactly. What is the best Aguero? Not in, not excluding anything. There's no exclusion on the table. It's what is the best Aguero moment? To put it quite simply, pal, your moment doesn't happen without mine. And you say, and it's not about whether he I could have that. been shit. He, he should have been shit. He would have been shit. It's not about that. It's about that we were little city just trying <clears> to compete <throat> with the top. We we bought Rubinho. We were a laughing stock. We were Little City who had finally signed one of Europe's top talents. It, it was the day we were legitimised as a club that were going to really try and go for things. And it was the day that we signed our best ever player. Maybe we don't have it, but our best ever player and our top goal scorer. It's the day that will always be remembered as the day that Manchester City Football Club made a real statement of intent for signing one of Europe's top talents. Where were you the moment Aguero signed? I was in Australia, I think. The exact moment he put pen on paper. I was asleep. Right, exactly. So was that was that was the best bed. was that your best Aguero moment? You were asleep? The text I got from Robin the following day was the best Aguero moment. So yeah. you just argued that your best moment was the moment he signed, but you were asleep. Well, I'm, so, I'm sorry I was asleep, Jess. The day he signed. <laughs> I'm sorry I was twelve hours ahead of the country. I'm just getting All technical, right? mate. I'm just getting technical. Right, you turned down my perfect argument. Do you know what? Do you know what, mate? You make a very good argument, and I, I said early on that granted, my my uh, my selection couldn't happen without yours, but we are we can talk about hindsight, but we can also look at plenty of examples not far away from Man City. If you look at United and you look at some of the top players they signed and the potential, but look at Sanchez when he went to United, he was light in the Premier League on, so. And the United fan could have said, at that point, that is the best 
moment of Sanchez's career at United because he signed for us. He did sweep fuck all after it. Pogba, the same. The amount of money they paid for it. The stupid announcement video. There was a lot of promise there, just as there was with Aguero signing for City. However, he had to achieve that potential. And the moment when he scored that goal against Napoli to make that man the top goal scorer at Man City Football Club just made everyone understand his importance to this club and why his name will never be forgotten. And he's going to have a statue and he's going to have a stand named after him and I'm going to name my baby after him. United, United <laughs> is such a, it's such a, a, a false argument. United are a big club. They, they have been for 20 years. They, don't, they had nothing to prove by signing Sanchez or Pogba. Yeah, they did. All the hype behind it. But it's not the same. Like they, they were in the club. They were. They nobody goes. Oh, United are a bad club. They're a small club. Besides Sanchez, probably nobody says that. But when you sign a player of that caliber as a as a club who's trying to get on the get up there with those clubs, that's a statement signing. That is the, the day you turn your club around. All right. So if we made Aguero as a statement signing, what if he did sweep the call after? He's still a but statement. He but he's still yeah, a statement you, signing. Your argument is he was a statement signing. Correct, he was. So was Rubinho. Nothing happened. We're going round in circles a little bit, guys, just to just to cap it all off. Uh, before we before we do that, I will let James just have one more point. You you asked Cameron where he was when um, when Aguero signed. Mm-hmm. Where were you when he became the top scorer? I was stood up in my living room in my city kit, celebrating the goal. Is that different than any other goal that was that he scored? What else? What else gonna do? I'm watching the game. Right? Well, exactly. Jumps nonsense, to, jumps to run outside and, and not. How is it nonsense? Thank you. It's the truth. Well, do you want me to run outside and, and celebrate in the garden at three three a.m. in Australia? The question said, "What's the best Aguero moment?" And that was the best Aguero moment. Right. Okay, guys, ring the bell. Ding ding. I'll say who won the debate first there. And this was a really difficult one. It was a cliche, right? (laughs) Yep. Yeah, it was. (laughs) So the last debate, you both argued your points really well. At this this debate, I think that you both argued your points terribly. (laughs) (laughs) It felt like that going through it. (laughs) But I'm going to reward the winner of that debate to James. Fuck you. I think it, it boils down to when Cameron said that Aguero was the first player that we signed that was like the, a world-class player when Tevez, Torres... I didn't say that, though, did I? The, you did. I did you, say you said I, said, it, I said he was the first young player that was going to be world-class that we signed. I, I did I mishear that, James? David Silva? Based on the context... Nobody, nobody looked at David Silva and went, he's going to be an absolute world-beater. He was a surprise. Aguero yeah, he was because he played, was sure. Did he play in a World Cup be. final before he moved to City? I don't think the same. Maybe I'm wrong, but <laughs> I, I, don't, I didn't hear the same... You didn't hear the same groundswell of David Silva. Continue, Richard. You were on a very good train of thought there. Uh, but you when, did mishear me completely. When I listen to it back, I'll, I'll, I'll judge based on the context of that whether or not I can like make make amends for that at a later date. But the, but the way that I heard that argument made was that he was City's first world class signing, um, and it, I just didn't think enough effort was put in by either of you to say about like how that that moment was the most important. But that that's just my opinion. But I am the judge on that, so I, I'm going to award the points to James. I got too busy trying to shoot down Cam's point and forgot to make my own at the start. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the problem with us and rebuttals in, genuine, yeah, yeah. Uh, in general. I made a note in the first debate when Cam said, you massively disingenuous. I think we've all said that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely needs to be one of those banned words moving yeah, forward. Yeah. <laughs> Straight minus um, point there. So the the cliche in this was anything along the lines of name a stand after him, Aguero's son playing for City in the future, and that was hit by James. Fuck so <laughs> that does un- <laughs> that does unfortunately negate uh, the the point won by James in that one. So even out. Yeah, thanks to both of you for that. I'm sure it was very emotional uh, making those points, especially off the back of. City's announcement that Aguero is due to leave the club in the summer. So I don't want to go in too heavy on this because I think that there is a chapter still in this book for Sergio at Manchester City. So just very quickly, what does 
Aguero leaving City at the end of this season mean to both of you? I feel like, Cam, you're going to um, have some sort of poem for this, so I'll, I'll jump in first if you want. I want to kill myself. Yeah, exactly. I think, <laughs> I think you need time to prepare for this question. Um, I hate it, man. I hate it. He's, there's, no re- there's no need for it. it. He's still... Mate, it's okay. Great. It's okay. It'll be okay. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> Do you want to go first? So, so logically, Cam, do you think that City are making a bad decision because Aguero's got a lot more left to give? It's hard to say it's a bad decision. It depends on who they get in. If they just if they don't get the H word, then I just don't. I, I think it, it's a bad decision for me because I love Sergio Aguero so much, but it's hard to say it's a bad business decision. Um, well, you know, I, we are we are fans. We're not like experts in the game or anything, so we can absolutely just approach it from a from an emotional perspective as well. And yeah, it's the worst decision they've ever made, and I hope <laughs> Cal Doon is sacked immediately. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is a tough one because he's obviously meant so much to every single City fan. Not only for the moment he gave us, but just everything about him, his demeanour. The fact that he's not been pushing for a move every year, the fact that he changed the way he played to play with Pep's team, the goals he scored. For me, I think the thing that I'll miss the most is his personality and the fact that it can go two ways. So he can be the cheeky little, wouldn't hurt a fly, seems like a proper laugh to be around. The guy sat gaming, you know, after a match. And then you have the shark look in his eyes where his, his pupils go black and he's just a stone-cold killer. And he'll go, go in two-footed on David Luiz or that front-post goal against Liverpool where he just he, he literally got knocked on his feet, off his feet. What a penalty, he's fucking livid. Ref doesn't give it. So he goes up and just bangs it in Allison's near post and he runs off like making kissy faces to the Liverpool. Yeah. We both should have picked that as the best of yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know? I, I was, I was literally going to say like maybe you should have chosen. Well, I, I, I've got, up. I've got some I nearly picked, so I'll come to that. Uh, but just there's, there's the two sides of personality there that make him an absolute legend of this club, and that's irrespective of goals and things like that. I think the way that he's talked to the team and the fans, and you know, the different managers that have come in, and he's still been consistent throughout. He's something really special. In terms of what moment I nearly picked, I think it, it again, it encompasses both of those emotions. So when, I think it was Sterling scored against Bournemouth in the last minute and it all kicked off and all the fans were on the pitch and the police were pulling the fans back and you just see Aguero sort of like innocently floating around. Someone drops a policeman's helmet, so he picks up a policeman's helmet and he's looking at it like, but, but I wouldn't melt. And then he sees the City fan getting choked out on the floor and he goes Red Ross and full on just goes at this cop and don't give a shit that it's a policeman. And he's just like, you do not go at one of my fans like that. And his eyes go black and he's like, you don't fucking mess with City fans. And that was nearly my moment for best Aguero moment. And then I thought I best go a bit technical for you with, with goals and stuff like that. But that, in, that for me encapsulates Aguero completely just that little moment as in his personality. Cam, Can I just say, if he, if he goes to Chelsea, I'm jumping in the ship to you're just going to be a Chelsea fan. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Could be fully do it. back to being a Chelsea fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, I was a Chelsea fan until 2008, as yeah. we all were. Um, before we do move on, it's worth mentioning, obviously, they mentioned the statues getting built. Is it bad they've left Yaya out? No. 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 Do you think so? No. I mean, you argued, somebody argued this part. I can't remember what it was you or Richard. Um, it was Richard, right? that he was massively important to that first 10 years, or at least the first five years. I, I never think of him in the same breath as those three, but it seems if you're going out of your way to build a statue, you could maybe squeeze him on there. I think one of, one of the points that I made for Yaya, and, and he was massively instrumental, but I think the difference is like statues are definitely a point of reverence. And I think that Torre was different from company Aguero and Silver is in that he wasn't a company man. Yeah. He wasn't mm-hmm. like city through and through. He, he did have his agent kicking up a fuss all of the time. 
it was the birthday cake thing. You know, one of my points for him being like massive for City was that he was counterculture and that's what City's about. And if you counterculture, you don't get a statue built of you outside the stadium. And, and it feels like to me that at some point he made that decision that he wasn't going to be that for Manchester City like Silver was. And, you know, he, he gets his little plaque outside a training ground or whatever. But I think that that's probably where he is at. He talks himself out of it, really, didn't he? That's it. And oh, his agent did, yeah, one of the yeah. two. You've hit the nail on the head there with... If you look at the personality of the three that are getting statues, they are model citizens. And that is what City are trying to instill in the players that they buy, the likes of Gundo, Bernardo, Laporte, maybe maybe not Laporte, Diaz. You know, they're like good guys that don't kick off a fox. And then you look at the players coming through, they are model pros in terms of Foden, Diaz, Garcia. Like Even look at people like Rodri. Like they're not people that are going to kick up a fuss. And having a statue of those three out there then drags that through the club. They walk past that and go, I want to be like them. Whereas they see Yaya Torre out there, they see someone, you know, not that it's the same at all, but you see a Joey Barton or a Tevez and you go, yeah, they were so important for this club at one point. They were the, the talisman of this team. But actually, they did all this bad shit as well. And if, if they can get a statue having done that, then maybe I can. Like I said, though, the, the story isn't over for Aguero yet. And fingers crossed, there's another chapter to be written there, possibly in the Champions League, which is exactly what we're going to talk about next when we come back after this short break. We may be fans of the best team in the land and all the world, but sometimes life isn't always great for everyone. You can make life a little bit better for someone else by donating to your local food bank. Visit MCFC Food Bank on Twitter for more information and for their GoFundMe link. And we're back. So just the one last thing to cover on today's podcast. And it's the small matter of City's biggest game of the season so far, in my opinion. We play Borussia Dortmund at home in the Champions League quarterfinal this coming Tuesday which is likely today, if you're listening to this, actually, we are recording it on the Monday, but should be out by tomorrow. So how are you two feeling about this in general? Are you getting the pre-Leon jitters or are you kind of feeling the way that we were during the 20 game, 20 odd game unbeaten streak? Like, like I said before at the start, we're more pressuring teams for 60, 70 minutes and then scoring late on now. And I don't know how long that can last basically, and especially against big teams. I'm not confident purely because it's the Champions League and it's a Man City game, but we could have had it worse than Dortmund at the same time. I guess it depends on if Haaland wants to knock out his future club, doesn't it? I chose if he wants Dortmund. to mess up his audition by uh, <laughs> by knocking us out. Is that is that a good audition, though, if he, if he scores like yeah, a... Yeah, it is. <laughs> Bernardo rinsed us before he joined. Yeah, true. Yeah. I, I mentioned I didn't want to get Dortmund and it's purely because of Haaland. But they were a really hard one to predict because they're such a dangerous team. But they're really struggling in the league. They lost to Frankfurt at the weekend, didn't they? And they're like seven points clear of them now for fourth spot. So this is a team that might not even make Champions League next year. Should they we? got a uh, Pellegrini syndrome, haven't they? Where yeah, exactly. they know their managers yeah. on the way out. Yeah, yeah. Same like uh, Gladbach's the same, aren't they? But... In theory, you shouldn't be that worried. But it's like you say, Cam, it's sitting in the Champions League. And I think I go into all these games just going, I'm not expecting anything so that I'm not going to get hurt. And then anything's a bonus. And that's that's the way I approach big games. I think I'd be happy if we didn't concede. I don't want an away goal hanging over us. Yeah. And with no fans at their, at their end, or maybe there is, I don't know what it's like in Germany, but it, it won't be as difficult as if it was a proper away game. And then we can get the away goal. So I think as long as we don't concede, I'll be happier than than I would. It's definitely no fans over there, but I bet that none of you have got Dortmund down for scoring no goals in your predicted <laughs> in your predicted <laughs> score no. that we'll get into in just a moment. But let's have your predicted lineups first, uh, Cameron. Why don't you go ahead and uh, just give us your entire lineup there and, and why you've picked him. I got Eddie in goal. Back four, Cancelo, Diaz, Stones, Zinchenko. 
Midfield three of Rodri, Gundogan and De Bruyne, even though I really hope Bernardo plays. Uh, and then a front three of Sterling, Mares, and Jesus. I'm just going off who's played well recently, who is our strongest team pretty much. I just always feel like Bernardo is one of our most informed players, but it doesn't look like that to Pepper something because he does just get dropped out of nowhere sometimes. So I, I hope he'll play, but I don't think he will. Um, Do you not yeah. think that Bernardo not playing against Leicester might have been so he got rested for this game after playing three games for Portugal? Could be. That is the same, same with the England boys. Um, but I don't know. Every time I've thought Bernardo should play in like the last few, he's not. So I fully expect that frustration to continue. Fair enough. James, what's your starting 11 for this one? Uh, Edison, Walker, Diaz, Stones, Cancelo at left back. Rodri, Bernardo and Gundo in the middle. Kevin's false nine with Sterling and Foden on either side. And I initially had Jesus up top and Kev in the middle. And as Cam said, that Bernardo was the one for me that I couldn't... I felt like I couldn't leave him out because he'd been rested and those legs are so important, especially in the Champions League. But then you could you could argue the point that sometimes Pep does something a bit daft with Foden and then just doesn't play him for a few games and really on form. You could argue Sterling doesn't start, but Sterling does well in the Champions League normally. So yeah, I kind of played it a bit safe and went with the old false nine Kev up top. What about you, Richard? Weird that that's the safe option, isn't it? <laughs> mm. Yeah, a while ago that would have been our risky one, not playing Aguero or Jesus, and now suddenly it's completely flipped around. So my my lineup is very very similar to James. I think there's actually just one player uh, that's different there. I've gone for Edison in there, obviously. Um, my back four is Cancelo, Stones, Diaz, Zinchenko, and then Rodri, Gundo, Bernardo, midfield three, and then Foden, Sterling, and KDB as the false nine, just like James. I, I reckon that. That's the reason why he played Jesus and Aguero together in the Leicester game, was that he needed some of our players to get a rest. KDB didn't play all of the three international games like a lot of players did, like Gundo did, like Bernardo did, like Sterling did, which is why they got a rest ahead of Leicester. So the the one that I had difficulty with was the fullback situation, because I do think that maybe our best... Uh, lineup is Walker, Stones, Diaz, and Cancelo on the left hand side. But um, it's it's Mendy playing in that Leicester game for me that kind of just tipped it off. For for now, I'm just going on the assumption that everybody besides from Diaz and KDB can get rested. And uh, other than that, it's just a rotation throughout all of the other ones. Edison as well, actually. So yeah, that's mine. And I think I'm going to go with. Kevin De Bruyne to score and I'm going for a 3-2 Manchester City win. Ooh. What about you, Cam? Who's your scorer? And I'm going to echo your score. One? I'll echo your score and say 3-2 as well. Uh, and I'm going with a, a silky Oki goal. Nice, nice. James, what about you? I've gone for Gundo to score as well, but I've gone 2-1 City. I originally had... Who won Gundo as well? And uh, I changed it uh, just before we started talking. So. <laughs> Would it have been okay for one of us to pick Harland to score? I was, I mean, I was, going, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's better against your team. And I was, I was so sure that Harland was going to score. I was going to put it, but I didn't want to invite the bad juju. We're going to have to change this segment next year because we'll all just pick Harland to score every game. <laughs> Yeah, a thousand percent. No once, once we get a recognised <laughs> striker, it's becoming a first goal scorer rather than... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll probably all still pick Haaland then anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can only play Haaland ship once a month. Or he just went half points. Yeah. <laughs> me, me and Cameron have probably been massively generous to Dortmund here because it's like you said, they are struggling in their own division. Like they couldn't get the win over Frankfurt, which they needed to do. But you could flip that around and say that with them not likely to finish in the Champions League places in the league, does that mean that now this is their best chance to get in Champions League football for next season is to go on and win it? And so they're going to put all their eggs in that basket. So the City in the quarterfinals, not going to make it easy for ourselves, are we? So I don't think 3 2 is too ridiculous to score, annoyingly. Do you reckon we can sign Haaland mid game so that he's top <laughs> scoring? <laughs> 
I want it to be proper like WWE style. Like he takes off his shirt and then reveals a Manchester City yeah. shirt underneath, <laughs> and then goes and scores an own goal for. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna have to start a Richard Russell count. Yeah, I'm gonna say do it. At this point, that's gonna be my cliche. All right, lads. Well, any other business heading out of this uh, seventh podcast for us? Uh, if you'd like to know how the table's looking, um, I have clawed my way back into contention. Uh, I'm now on minus two with James, uh, and you have dropped a point, I'm afraid, Richard, but you are still top with one point. It's close, so there's just it? three points between us. It can all be gained if one of us is right about the lineups for the Dortmund game. So we'll wait and see. We've got a possible sort of question thing coming up as well, haven't we? Just about a change to the format where we think it'd be cool if listeners, people on Twitter, anything like that, if they've got questions that they want us to answer, they want to get our shite opinions on things, then you know, feel free to drop us a DM, send us a recording, we'll play it on the podcast and answer it back. Just something ad hoc. I don't think it'll be something every week. but I'll just post a question in response to this thread. Yeah, yeah that works. Where, where we're about sending us your voice. Just post it in response. We'll answer it if they come through. Yeah, hit us up on at Topical City Pod. All right, guys, it's been a pleasure and a privilege. I'll see you next time. Sunji, bye. Kevin Harlock, bye.